Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the History Voyager. My name is Benjamin Kitchings. As always, there are a zillion podcasts out there. Thank you very, very, very much for listening to mine. When I started this show, the History Voyager, I did not understand what it was that I was doing. I mean, I knew I was making a podcast, and I knew, to the best of the, my abilities at that time, I knew how to record a show and put it out, whatever. What I mean is I didn't understand the kinds of things that I was going to be discovering or talking about or, or having other people talk about. You know, in a way, life is a journey, I suppose. And in a way, at least for me, podcasting is a journey, too. During the course of talking to folks, I discovered that there was a crisis happening in our education system. That's not a talking point of one party or another. That's an actual problem. So, what did I do? I, I talked to people and I, I put that into the world. This teacher um, is a teacher in Colorado. Um... And she came on my show to talk about, among other things, the basically atrocious um, conduct standards as she as she saw them in her immediate world. You know, here's a thought that I have. And the thought is this, and this is somebody who's talked to, I don't know how many teachers at this point, and I don't know how many podcasters I talked to even that were teachers as a, as a day job. And that was actually one of the things I was curious about, is why were so many teachers podcasters? And the answer I came to find out was that they got into teaching to educate people. And they felt like they could educate people better as podcasters than as teachers. And I don't know, I I find that I find that to be true. At least as far as the education as far as being a podcaster, I I find that to be true. It's if you're listening to a podcast, you want to listen to the podcast and you want to be educated. And not everybody who goes to a classroom wants to learn that day or really any day. Um, but anyway, with this person, um, we talk about, um, you know, her experience. 
And there was a file that we refer to. There was a whole episode that we recorded. Um, but basically, um, that file, you know, there was a technological malfunction. So that file uh, didn't um, didn't survive, <laughs> essentially. And so we she was kind enough to uh, re-record basically uh, later that same evening. Anyway, folks, um, thank you for listening, and you know, give this podcast your your due attention. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. My my little theory is everybody's an expert about their own life. Um, I like that. <laughs> what'd you say? I said I like that. <laughs> well, I had a professor in college uh, who's now deceased, and uh, he was a very famous man in his field and he taught me oral history oh wow and it's so wild too because i did not know how famous he was until i actually left and Mm -hmm. would talk to people about this situation the class and what i was doing oh my god no he's famous what do you want to know (laughs) (laughs) you know yeah but so he really got me to think about oral history in, in a in a new and different way. That's so each, each time I do one of these, I think about Dr. Kuhn and, and how he was a very humble man, but also very well respected around the planet. <clears throat> so Sarah, uh, earlier we were talking about your uh, educational, you know, the problems in the education system as you saw them. Mm-hmm. And yep. We were talking around the discipline issues. Yes. And I hate to have you do this again, but could you please pretend like nobody's heard that but us and keep like start <laughs> <Yeah>. off? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So <coughs> I guess I'll just, I'm sorry, keep coughing. I just got over COVID and it's just lingering. But um, yeah. yeah, so I'll just, I guess I'll start with the beginning and yeah, and just yeah. go from there. And um, also, and I, I'm from the South, and I was always trained never to ask a, a lady her age. <laughs> for the purposes of this podcast and podcasts like this, I'd like to know what year you you graduated high school. I graduated in 2004. Okay, and the reason I'm doing that is that it has nothing to do with your age. It has no, to but do yeah. with you're you're a different type of student like your experience was different from the experience exactly i think that is a really yep no and i think that is very fair um yeah so basically a couple of a few years ago at this point right in um sort of 2019 i started a an illustrious two-year teaching career (laughs) um so i was um I was an alternative license uh, teacher of seventh grade, and I taught in some of Colorado's sort of rougher schools and districts. Um, 
and let's see. Yeah. And so what, um, uh, uh, yeah. And I'm sorry. I'm just like trying to think about everything. Well, no. yeah. You would, you talked about how you, you were taught in these one district was outwardly fantastic. It's flipped. Yes. Building that's right. That's and right. Technology. And the other district was not. Perfect. So yeah, the okay. first year that I taught, I taught in what is Colorado's like most distressed, most troubled district and, um, you know, at risk of um, sort of identifying them. They just recently um, <coughs> lost their accreditation. So like they were really a struggling district. Um and then the second year, I was in the same county, and I was just at a school that was about 15 minutes north, and it was a whole different thing. And one of the big um, differences, one of the things that they had done, so the first year school, the first year's district, um, one of the reasons that it struggled so much was that the people who had drawn the district lines had just sort of gone and drawn a little line around everything that was the poorest, most troubled, most distressed, um, even in that relatively rough County. And so it was just, wait, yeah, that that was a question I had from our previous recording, which went Mm -hmm. off the rails, technologically speaking. Mm -hmm. Um, so your County had two districts in it. This County, um, has like, it has at least four. I think it has four. And yeah, it's kind of weird, but like I said, it's a very corrupt place. And how do they rationalize? I'm curious. I mean, how do they rationalize that? Are they different cities or is it different? How do they, I have never heard them try. And if you, (laughs) if you looked at the, um, if you looked at the sort of boundary lines themselves, you would go, there is no way to rationalize that. So this district that I was in that first year, I mean, it was just a line drawn up around a bunch of trailer parks and sort of um, like retiree sort of communities. Right. And so there's no money in that. There's no one making any income who can invest anything at all in education. Um, I'll be like very even more blunt and say like, it's all like illegal immigrants, almost all. It's probably 80%. I think when I looked Uh it up is 80% illegal immigrants. And then like 20% just whoever couldn't like leave. And so, yeah, I mean, and it's just bizarre because Uh boundary lines cross cities the boundary lines, you know, um, if there's a trailer park on this side and there's an apartment building on this side, yeah, the apartment building might not be any great Jake's, but you know, the line goes between the trailer park and the apartment building, you know, it's just, it's bizarre. And so they had, they were like, I mean, they were existing in these schools that were. Okay. Yeah. So let me, okay, the implication is the, 
the trailer park gets in the school district and the apartment complex does not. Is that the implication? Yeah. And it's or, just okay. the implication is just that, I mean, one, you're dealing with kids who are from more economically distressed, like more troubled backgrounds uh-huh. in a lot of cases. Like uh-huh. there were stories of like student uh-huh. stories of that were just really horrible. Um, like, I mean, uh-huh. I mean, I, I don't really want to repeat student stories, but like, you know, I mean, there was gang stuff. There was, well, uh, yeah, you, you know, know, yeah. Okay. Just all that stuff. But th- even more than that, like, who are you going to, it's taxed on property tax, right? Like a lot of education is funded via property mm. taxes. Who are you going to tax? There's no one to tax in that. And so our school, like all the schools in that district, apart from one, were built in like the early 1950s. And okay. um, so we were accommodating grade levels of um, <coughs> of like 300 students in buildings uh-huh. that were built in the 1950s technology didn't really work there was no money to fix anything there was just you know it was just all very very like run down and just sort of just just sort of making do and getting by right um right and you just they didn't have the money to fix that and so like that's a big um you know i mean that's the big implication because like there was just no money to fix the schools and um you okay. know it's not like it's not like a big district that that can draw from you know a bunch of different places and allocate accordingly it's just yeah. sort of letting this little group of people just sort of sink and sort of ignoring them <laughs> well that's so, terrible um yeah it was very awful yeah, that's terrible. So, I'm trying because Virginia <coughs> has really small counties. Um, how big? How big was this county, like physically? This county is one of the bigger ones. I mean, it's not huge. It's but on it's on the bigger side of average for the Denver metro area. Um, it's sort of In just of it's like, just north physically i mean what i'm basically asking is 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 it is it common for out west for school systems to have like different districts in the same county or i mean not really like yes to an extent like the town the county i grew up in um had two districts It, it had two major towns and it had one district for each of those towns, which is perfectly rational, <laughs> you know. And I mean, okay. obviously, Denver is. Uh, we know yeah. Denver has Denver's Denver right. has one um, school system, really. And then the so yeah, I mean, most of the counties are not broken up in this way. Um, this particular one was, but it's a notoriously mm-hmm. corrupt county. I will say, like. It's notoriously yeah. corrupt. It's very, I yeah, yeah. It's just Colorado's kind of a corrupt state. I mean, every state has its corruption going on. 
Um, and this is really, I would say, the most famously corrupt part of Colorado. <laughs> hmm. um, so, okay, yeah. you were talking about... Oh, yeah, and in uh, contrast... I, I should yeah, I should say in contrast that second year was at a yeah at that district that was just north of it and they managed to get mm. all of the grant money all the state funding and they had all of these like fancy new technological beautiful like absolutely like really pretty schools um and like class sizes of mm. 25 students whereas the other school district was dealing with class sizes of 40 students hmm. there was you know and it's just it was just real it's really um yeah everything about it was outwardly very nice but they were and this is where we had gone before but they um but they had like outwardly it was very very nice but inwardly in order to get all of that stuff they were really they were cutting corners and they were sweeping things under the rug and they were just sort of yeah. What again. type of things are they? What type of things are they sweeping under the rug and cutting corners and such? Um, that was like very much. There were a few different things, but discipline issues were the big one. Like, um, mm. the discipline issues were um, it just like horrible, horrible things would happen, and. The school would sort of write up a report that made them seem not that bad and things that kids should have been uh, expelled for. They were maybe suspended for maybe um, things that kids should have been suspended for. Uh, they got no consequences at all for. And it was just um, because and we're talking about and we're talking about one kid put a girl in the hospital. Yep. You said one. Yeah. yeah that's my big mm. go-to um, sort of uh, discipline horror story, I would say, is you, we had this one kid who, he was a really troubled um, kid. He had a really, he, I mean, he personally, mm. he had a horrible um, upbringing and background. Mm. He had just a lot of problems. And... Mm. He, the way that uh, I mean, and what he, and the thing is, what he did one day, um, he was always sort of acting out, um, but mm -hmm. one day he, uh, he, I mean, he was sort of taller and athletic, and he picked this um, girl and he put her in the hospital. He hit her a bunch of times in the face and. She ended up with a concussion. She had to be taken to the hospital from school. This is on the way back from lunch to mm. class. And um, and they they just they called that um, they called that incident a fight instead of an assault. And mm. um, and they suspended the kid for two days out of school and gave him one extra day of in-school suspension. And mm. um, and actually, what I didn't tell you before was that the intervening time, a lot of that was spent 
trying to justify this action to the students and to try to make sure that the students accepted this um, this boy back into the to their society um, when he came back. And and so, like, I mean, that was they wanted mm-hmm. to even make sure that he didn't get any really social consequences, which was ridiculous. And so what ended up happening was he came back. Um, she had to see him every the, this girl had to see him every day for the end for the rest of the year. Um, and it was, you know, and the, it was like the incident never happened. Um, or it, mm. we were supposed to treat it like the incident had never happened. And that was just insane. Mm. Uh, you know, why, why do you think that's true? Um, you know, I mean, a big part of it is just, um, I mean, a big part of it is that schools get sort of evaluated based on, um, <coughs> based on student behavior records. And so that incentivizes mm. the administration to make the behavior seem as um, benign as possible, right? And so if you admit that mm. something happened, well, if you if you want to discipline a kid, you have to admit that whatever it is happened and then you get sort of mm. dinged for that. And so they want to make their schools seem as good as possible. And so they don't um, they don't record any of this stuff. And um, do they want to make their schools? Hold on. Let me let me draw this out. Yeah. Do they want to make their school seem as good as possible so they can keep the the technology? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a lot of that. I think it's like, mm-hmm. you know, they were going to the state and saying, look, you know, we have this great discipline record. We don't have any of this stuff happening in the schools. We have, um, you know, look at that district to the south of us where they've expelled 70 students over the course of this year. It's not 70, but, you know, just for a effect you know over the course Mm. of this year and we haven't expelled anyone you know we're we're all you know Mm. (coughs) we uh we we know how to we know how to deal with kids we're at the forefront of all this they really were marketing themselves as being um at the sort of forefront of um of the way that things should work and they were the innovators and schools should follow their lead and um Mm. And that is like, I mean, that's one reason I think they get a lot of the grant money is because they do that. We stayed open during COVID and they were saying the exact same stuff of like, you know, we're figuring out how schools can be open safely during COVID and blah, 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 blah. Um, It was just, and it's just that whole, we're the trailblazers thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and how much of, what does the technology allow them to do? I mean, you know, it was just, you know, I mean, it was just the nicest, newest projectors and stuff like that. You know, I mean, it's not like, Mm. I'm sure there was some nice science equipment, but I wasn't a science teacher that year, so I don't really know. Um, And it's just, it's just having all the Chromebooks and all the projectors and all the you know, just all the latest and the greatest and the nicest. And, and, and there is this like reliance on technology, which I think is, you know, 
in a way it might be a little bit too much and maybe in a way, Mm. you know, it could be a little bit more natural and it could be a little bit more. um, But like technology is not going to solve all of education's problems, you know? (coughs) What do you, what do you mean? um, Talk about that. Talk about technology and education. I mean, there is this notion that, you know, uh, there's this, you know, there there's this notion that teachers being innovative with technology is um is something that's important and in an, and in a way it is and it can be very good but in a way you know technology can also mm-hmm. provide distractions and um mm-hmm. so like you know obviously during covid having kids on chromebooks a lot was not necessarily um, something mm. that you could get around, but they don't necessarily, I feel like doing stuff manually is also very important. And I just, I think, I, I just, you know, I think that, I think that what education, I think one thing education does, and I saw this a lot at my first school, even more than my second school, is that it just sort mm. of like, instead of really investing in something, it just sort of jumps from like what it hopes will be a quick fix to another thing that it hopes will be a quick fix to another thing that it hopes will be a quick fix, you know? And so like, Oh, this program says it can raise reading scores by 20 points within a year. Maybe we should do that. And then as soon as the kids are starting to learn that they're like, Oh wait, no, that one says it can do it in 20 points and this one didn't work. So let's do that. And then as soon as the kids are like learning that, they'll sort of jump to the next one, you know? And so it's just sort of, why why do you suppose, why do you suppose that is? I think everyone's just afraid of failing and um, kids reading scores are a huge thing that sort of um, schools Mm -hmm. are judged on. And, um, and so Mm -hmm. they just want to, they want to hopefully be doing everything they can to raise their reading scores Um, but they also want to, um, you know, they also at least want to make it look like they were trying, you know, like Mm. it's just this, it's just this slight panic where it's just like, you know, okay, you know, everything is so, um, sort of everything is so bad right now. What's going to fix it all? And the answer is overwhelming amounts Mm. of fixing lots of things that are very difficult to fix. That's the only thing that's going to fix anything. And even then it's going to take a long time. And that's not really an answer Mm. that plays well to higher ups. It's not an answer that plays well to the public. It's not an answer that, you know, plays well to the students for that matter or the parents. And so it's just like, Mm -hmm. well, you know, we're going to put the students on this, program 30 minutes a day and they're gonna get better and we're gonna have data data is such a big thing just like yeah you need all the data (laughs) and it's just like i'm sorry but the data is not going to fix what needs to be fixed yeah and i'm I'm not even averse to collecting data yeah yeah of course not I mean, nobody is, but yeah, you know. I know. Um, I just, I just feel the need to. 
No, I, I, I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. Let me ask you a question. Um, and I had asked you the same question before we had our, our technological kerfuffle um, yeah. earlier, <clears throat> which is um, my teacher podcast, my teacher episodes uh, seem mm-hmm. to be very well received. Um, I don't hear, I hear a lot of talk about what's wrong with education. From like you were saying earlier, people that are driving a narrative, whatever that narrative is. What yeah. I don't hear are things like this. Things like what we're doing now. I don't hear right. that. Why not? I mean, <laughs> I think it does go to that issue that like places like you had mentioned NPR or you know, any sort of big media outlets, they're trying to sort of gather the the big voices and the big voices are the people who are pushing a narrative, whether that's a political narrative or whether they're, you know, the leader of the teachers union, which is a whole different type of political thing or yeah. whoever well, it is. The... Mm-hmm. I was going to say also maybe by the time you're, somebody on NPR's radar or somebody on ABC, CBS, Fox, I don't care. By the time you're on that radar, you're probably not one of these people that are in the trenches in education. And you're probably I think not that's one of very these people. True. That, and yeah. there is that, like, there is a big thing. One statistic that I think is really um, sort of eye-opening for education is that the average teacher lasts five years in the classroom before burning out. And so that's, I mean, there's a whole lot that can be said about that. But one thing that goes into this is that a lot of the people who move into administration try to get there as fast as possible because teaching is horrible. And so they don't necessarily get there um they don't necessarily like they don't put in their 10 years in the classroom and get really, really, really good and really understand what needs to be done and then go and implement it. I mean, sometimes they do like sometimes they do. My first principal was fantastic and he had done that, but a lot of times they don't. My, um, the principal at my second school for the majority of the year, um, he had, he had spent two years in the classroom and then he had gone and become a librarian. And then from the librarian side of things, he had gone and become an administrator. Okay. He had tried to get out of the classroom as fast as mm-hmm. possible. And suddenly he was the one who was making all these decisions. And, um, the mm-hmm. vice principal at that same school, she had been in the classroom five years before she had used her connections to go off and become what's called an instructional coach or what's called a coach. And that's your first Mm -hmm. foray into administration. And then she moved into being a vice principal. And so all these people on, you know, in these big roles, yeah, there's a better than decent chance that they didn't ever really spend any time in the trenches at all. And they don't know what they're doing. They didn't, they're just trying to get ahead in the school system 
because being in that teacher role is a very, very difficult one. And no one actually wants to do that for that long. Huh. So, you know, what do you, what would, if you could wave a magic wand, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, like, like I asked you earlier, um, you graduated high school in 2004. Mm-hmm. Looking back, what do you think was different between when you were in high school and today, as far as the the schooling, like the culture, the school, the school yeah, itself, that's... like that? I think, I mean, that's somewhat hard to, um, to like really take a firm position on. Because I know, like, mm. um, like, on the one hand, you know, I mean, I grew up in sort of a smaller town, and I went to a reasonably nice school, um, public school, but still reasonably nice in the public. And so, I mean, you are sort of comparing apples to oranges. And I know that, um, like, mm. you know, I've heard... <laughs> I've heard stories from people who had teacher family members in like New York city in the seventies. And those stories were far worse than, um, than what goes on now in Colorado. But um, Mm -hmm. at the same time, I do think that things have changed. And I think one of the big things um, is this quickness to discipline and stuff like that. Um, uh, I'm saying like the lack of discipline today versus the quickness earlier. Yeah. And just this. Yeah. And, um, and there is like, I hesitate to get into some of this stuff because this is not something I'm very necessarily well versed in. Um, there are certain pieces of regulations that have changed. Um that let's see um i I was asking you what do you think the difference between when you were a high school student and today is yeah and you know like i said the discipline environment is totally different um you know um you know, in terms of what's tolerated and all that stuff. Uh, I know that regulations have been changing and I, other teachers that I've talked to that know more than I do say that they sort of started changing in 2002 with no child left behind, but then they really just started, you know, that was just Mm -hmm. the very, very beginning. And then you got to, you know, um, like you had pointed to 2010 as a year that things that had really started to change. And I would believe that I'm not really an expert on the regulation side of things. I know that one of my guests, to be clear, one of my guests previous did that. I, yes. That yes. I'd that's put right. out, you know, so. Yeah. Um, the thing is, I know that, um, Like, I really hesitate to really get into 
what I have pondered because I know that I don't know that much about this side of things. Um, well, like, what have you pondered, for example? Like, there is... Okay, so I know that the regulations regarding, like, special education have changed. Um, How so? And that's where I don't know a huge amount. I know that you okay. can't really expel a kid who um who is enrolled in any sort of a special education program um mm-hmm. and sometimes that's appropriate but sometimes it's really really not and so like and a lot of kids i don't know they're sort of like okay <laughs> I don't want to say anything that's like, I don't want to sound like I'm saying, oh, we should be able to expel the special ed kids or whatever. But like, okay, I had this student and she shouldn't have been expelled. But, um, I mean, she was the biggest behavior problem in the grade and they enrolled her in a special education sort of program. Um, or they, they gave her an IEP is the term. They gave her an mm-hmm. IEP because she was a little behind in math and she was struggling in math. And she probably did have some difficulties in math. Um, mm-hmm. But that didn't really affect her behavior. You know what I mean? And so, like, yeah. I think that, you know, a lot of behavior gets justified on the basis of IEPs when that's Mm -hmm. not really what's best for the kid and it's not really what's Mm -hmm. best for the school. Mm -hmm. And um, then IEPs don't necessarily get the type of support that they need um, Mm -hmm. because one thing that definitely has changed has been that special education has been moved into the general classroom environment And in a lot of ways, like, that's good. You know, you want to, you know, Mm. have, Mm. you don't want to just, like, sequester the kids with mild learning disabilities or anything like that. But it does create this sort of issue um, where Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. teachers don't have the kind of support that they need to be able to teach to all the different skill levels that they need to teach to. Um, You know, you could have a kid Mm. who is illiterate and you could have a kid who is functioning at easily the high school level in seventh grade. And you have to teach like all of these kids at the same time. And that would be great if there was the support to do that, but there's not the support to do that even in sort of the best sort of situations um, like the best sort of schools and stuff. Um, and certainly if you're in places like I was, there definitely isn't the support to do that. And then that um, sort of frustration leads to increased behaviors, but then you don't want to do anything about those behaviors because you know that part of the reason that they're happening is because the kids are either bored or frustrated. And it's just, it create it, 
helps to compound all the problems that are already happening. Mm -hmm. And um, it's like, like, I wouldn't, like, I don't want to say, you know, oh, you know, this sort of increase in prevalence of IEPs and bringing special education kids into the general classroom environment for much longer periods of the day. I don't, I don't want to say that those two things are bad, but they're implemented in a way that all of the sort of responsibility, um, most of the responsibility ends up falling on people who don't have the support to make it work. And is it, people is who it a matter want of, to make it, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Is it a matter of lack of discipline at home or? I mean, there's a lot of that. Okay. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of lack of discipline at home. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, when you're dealing like, especially in my first school, I mean, the kids were mm-hmm. a lot of times, I mean, the kids were, I mean, their parents weren't around, you know, their parents were either working or in some cases they were, you know, that uh, had substance abuse issues, let's say. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, the, and so these seventh grade kids were raising their um, young siblings effectively on their time sort of away mm-hmm. from school. And then there's two things with that. I mean, one is like, no, they're not getting disciplined. And the second is, they think of school as their sort of break in the day from their real responsibilities. And, you know, that's just, I mean, I don't think that that particular type of thing has changed, you know, really. I think that's just a function of where you're teaching. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just in terms of like how you make it work in the classroom environment is what becomes very, very difficult. Um. And in a way that's positive for all the different students. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, But yeah, in terms of waving a magic wand. Yeah. um, Yeah, I think that. Gosh. Yeah. I mean, so what would you do if you could wave a magic wand? Um, Oh, let's see. Yeah, I was trying to. That is quite a question. Um, let's see. Yeah. Let's look. I took some sort of notes to myself thinking about this and preparing for this. Let's see. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know what? I think. Hmm. I mean, one thing you could do, honestly, is you could. I mean, when I was in high school, there were, like, legit consequences for stuff. Yeah, and see, legitimate consequences would, I think that's that would go such a long way. Um, mm-hmm. Because, and the thing about the consequences is they do need to be, um, you know, <laughs> they do need to be consistent. And mm-hmm. one thing that causes them to be sort of inconsistent is the administration like we've talked about even like you know principals who really try to 
push through with consequences, they get backlash for that from the community, from the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, my first principal, he he tried to administer consequences and parents went frequently to um, the press because they, you know, got mad and they accused him of, you know, locking a kid in a closet or not allowing kids to go to the bathroom or whatever. Um, and so, yeah. you know, consequences and sort of changing everything that, um, that, that deals with, that contributes to the inability to administer consistent consequences would be a huge thing. Um, another thing I would say is just getting rid of phones of, of, you know, of smartphones in the classroom, um, which is very, very difficult to do, but that would just go a massive, massive way toward fixing a lot of issues. Because yeah. they use them to bully each other, the kids do. Um, they become the biggest fight. They... Well, also, I mean, I mean, I don't think you had to deal with a phone in school, but as far as, like, a smartphone. Yeah, no. But uh, another thing would be, like... Um, well, your phone, my phone's better than yours, blah, blah. Yeah. You know. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was such a, like, I had an Android phone teaching and mm. it, uh, you know, I got made fun yeah. of by so many kids because they, I didn't have an iPhone. And I was like, yeah, I don't have an Android or I don't have an iPhone. And that was, I mean, I, my hope was that that would make it sort of more okay for other, for the, sort of uh, for some of the kids to not have iPhones. Um, And, you know, what was really funny, and there is this push now to sort of normalize smartphones in the classroom, and I think that's got to be the worst thing in the world. Um, Okay. But, you know, the one of the very few good things my second school did was just halfway through the year, we had had a big smartphone bullying incident and we collected phones at the beginning of every day and we put them in a closet and the kids just weren't allowed to have them at all like not in their backpack not anything uh during the day talk about okay a smartphone bullying incident okay i can i have some imagination i can kind of see that Mm-hmm. See what that is, but what what are we talking about? Uh, taking pictures of kids without their sort of consent and putting them onto social media, mm. and then uh, you know, and then yeah. there was, and it was sort of there was this group that was like this, I don't know, Snapchat group that was take down this one student, and um, they would take pictures of him and you know it was awful like like nudes or no just just pictures of him because he was sort of a little quirky and weird and they'd take pictures of him being quirky and weird and share them and say how awful he was i mean i have an android yeah you know yeah Android's better than iPhone. I agree. You know, <laughs> it's you know, 
honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've used I used to use apples to edit video. Um, yep. Sorry. To me, I just don't get the whole like. I have to be one of the. You know, my my bubble has to be. What is it? Blue on right. somebody else's phone. What do I? I don't care what my text looks like on your phone. Exactly. I don't care. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> oh man. Um How do you think do you think this ends or do you think um are we just going to keep going down this road? Yeah. I mean, not to be bluntly negative, but I don't think things are the thing is like, I think people are still in the mentality of like, you know, maybe we can fix this by doing more of the wrong thing. And so there's like, now the big trend in education is something called PBIS, which is positive um, behavior, like incentive system or something. And it's basically where you reward kids for doing good but again, it's implemented. Um, again, it's implemented with all of this, uh, you know, with without the support. And so it's implemented poorly. And so it's just sort of basically like, hey, kid, you know, if you pass this test, I'll give you a piece of candy. Hey, kid, if you don't fight someone today, I'll give you a piece of candy. You know, and it's just like and then they just think. For every little thing they do, they should get a reward. And I mean, that's the new trend. And, you know, maybe implemented properly. Boy, you know, that's a good the, thing. If the old people, if the old people thought the soccer participation trophies were crazy, just wait till these kids get older. And I didn't beat up my coworker well, today. I'd like a piece of candy. Well, I mean, California already contemplated a system in which they would, um, uh, the, the notion was that they would, if you murdered somebody, then they would pay you in the future not to murder anyone else. <laughs> and, um, you know, and that's, that. I think that's where this is going, you know, or like Alberta during covid uh, they were paying people to get the vaccine. And I had this Facebook friend who, or he was a roommate of mine in college, but he was, he posted, he's like, and he was from Alberta and he was like, you know, wait a minute. So all the people who just sat there and, um, and he was like, so wait a minute, all the people who got the vaccine because it was the right thing to do, um, they didn't because get anything for getting the vaccine. Worried about their health. Or... Yeah. But now you're going to sit here and reward the people who are only going to do it for a reward. And I mean, I think that's like, you know, that's sort of, I think that is going to enter our society. And I think that is going to really upset a lot of people. But, you know. I could see. Oh, sorry. I could see a lot yeah. of problems. Uh 10, 15, five years down the road. Well, I'm acting like an adult at work. I, I should have a candy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And I mean, I think, saying, I think, saying. We, 
Yeah. I think that is going to be a thing. And, you know, I think like, I think, I mean, I've read certain things that people have said, which just went with that. Like, oh yeah, you know, why am I not rewarded for, you know, getting to work on time every day? I should get a, you know, whatever for that. It's like, no, you just do it. You do it because that's what you're supposed to do. (laughs) If you want a reward, go Um, out and actually, you know. Yeah, but I mean, the an older generation yells about soccer participation trophies too. So yeah, I know. I mean, you know, eventually everybody metaphorically stands on a lawn and yells to get off of it. Yeah, that's I. That's what I think. Like, I think I think that's what's gonna. You know, I've always wondered like what it would take i'm sorry like this is this is uh, off no, topic i did it you know for the millennials to become the sort of boomers of the next generation you know and i think this is going to be it for us i don't know but i think that i think this is going to be it where it's just like wait a minute we're paying people not to murder people really <laughs> so i mean and these are 7th graders right so yeah have you heard about anything escalating what are they? Because if you're a senior in high school, you're not going to be. Oh, I'm not going to hit Sally because okay, you're going to give me a candy bar and I'm not going to hit Sally. Great, awesome, right? I know, <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, a big joke in my first I mean, year of teaching. Uh, yeah, there was this big joke in my first year of teaching where. You know, um, because like all the kids, if they would act out, these kids would just, you know, if they'd get called on it, because the teachers in my first year and the administration in my first year took discipline seriously. Um, But the kids would just Mm. be like, oh, I have an IEP. So they'd go and they, you know, do something ridiculous and then get to the dean's office, go. No, I have an IEP. Like, you can't do anything to me. And they're like, and so the big joke was, can you imagine these people getting, you know, arrested, these kids getting arrested, which, I mean, it's kind of sad because, I mean, a lot of them are going down that path. But, you know, can you imagine these kids getting arrested and just like, officer, I have an IEP. Like, no. Like, that's not preparing them for life. It's like, yes, an IEP means that we try to accommodate you and try to help you. But you have to be responsible for your behavior. And these kids were being taught not to be. And, and that's, um, to me, I mean, not to interrupt, but that's no. something to me that I just, going through life is like you, you have to be responsible on some level. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm a big believer in trends and forces, okay? I'm a, a mm-hmm. huge believer in, like, things happen that are beyond your control. And to a huge mm-hmm. extent, you just react to that, okay? Mm-hmm. Huge believer in that. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, if you don't turn up to work enough days, you're going to get fired. If you... Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, if, if you I had do- this conversation... I had this conversation in my second year. This goes really along with it. I had this conversation in my second year with these students who were like, I'm not working in a group with that kid. 
Um, and this was something that, you know, the lack of structure mm-hmm. made them feel like they could just say, I'm not working with a gr- in a group with that person. And I was like, do you think that in your life you're going to have the um, option of working with exactly who you want when you want? And they legitimately said yes. And I was like, okay, now you need to step back a minute and you need to um, look at me Mm -hmm. and look at your other teacher. Cause like there were only two teachers for this grade level. Cause it was sort of a weird situation. And um, I was like, do you think that there is any possibility whatsoever that we would have ever hung out in school? Do you think we would have been friends in school? Do you think we would have sat at the same table in school? Do you think that, that's what we would have done. And they're you like, mean, you mean the, no. the other teacher and you? Yeah. And they're like, like no. And I was like, why, right. Why, why would you say that? Like, why well, would it's you because say- I was using this. I mean, we were like polar opposite people and it was a good way of saying uh, like, and then I followed it. And I was like, we work together really well, which was only half true, but I was like, we work together really well. Mm-hmm. It's not about who you want to pal around with who you work with. You work with who I tell you to work with because in life you have to work with who's around and you have to learn to make that work no matter who it is, no matter anything. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't matter if this is the kid you want to talk to at recess. It was just an example of them just having no concept of like what the world was going to be. They were just like, yeah, no, I, I would get to, you know, Like, what are they going to, if you get to a job and you don't particularly want to hang out with someone, you're going to, what, you're not going to take the job. You're going to get the other person fired. You're going to say who you want to work with. No. And they just Mm. had no concept of that. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Mm. Mm. And I think that, you know, I mean, I think I was saying this before. I don't know if I was saying it in the deleted recording, but I mean, I think fundamentally the first priority of school needs to be teaching kids Mm. to operate within sort of a functional society because that's the thing that's going to make the difference between like the kids who come from the really dysfunctional backgrounds succeeding Mm. or failing that's going to be that's the only chance that a lot of those kids have is to learn those skills at school. And that's not what the schools teach now. And, um, and that's like, what, what do they teach now? Uh, they just, they, I mean, reading and math, reading and math, reading and math, which I understand like reading and math are important, but like, it's really driven by, getting the right test scores on those two subjects because that's a lot of what schools are evaluated on. Hmm. And so like you have, you have the standardized test to prepare you for the standardized test to prepare you for the standardized test to prepare you for the standardized tests in those two subjects. I wonder what the private school kids learn, honestly. Yeah. I would be interested to know, or even charter schools. Um, I know that a lot of, I mean, private and charter schools do operate a lot differently a lot of the time. And sometimes that's worse and sometimes that's better. But um, 
you know, I, sometimes it is better. And uh, yeah, getting out of that sort of bureaucratic. I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I know what I know what one or two private schools just from my friends, but growing right. up, but mm -hmm. I think it just differs based on the school. I think, you know, yeah. I mean, I interviewed at a at a charter school that really just took this extremely classical approach to education. Like, what do you, what do you mean, extremely classical? Like, I mean, to the point where. I want to say they even did like the Hogwarts style, like house system. Like it was just really going back to, you know, the just oh. sort of really, really old fashioned stuff. And, you know, they okay. were just very, um, you know, uh, but it's apparently a really cool place. But, you know, so I know you can get, you can sort of get into whatever with, those sorry made by millennials that grew up reading harry potter so <laughs> they were a bit older than that but uh yeah something like that you know <laughs> just like they were just i don't know i mean i feel like they were just sort of these sort of yeah old-timey professor right. types you know yeah i don't know i mean i tell you that all these podcasts i've done on this topic have been really educational for me um to say nothing you know leaving aside all the people to say you know that it, whatever for me it's been really educational but the question why do i meet a lot of hostility from some teachers like they want they just why do you want to talk to me like um yeah is it they're afraid or maybe you know i don't know yeah yeah well thank you yeah this has been awesome that was sarah and that's about as anonymous as whatever but this is part of the anonymous uh, teachers series and again if you want to talk to me about just being a teacher I'll, I want you to be as anonymous as you want to be I think I've even had at least one person basically insist that I have their first and last name but you know the thing I find sort of the most interesting about this series and one of the reasons I keep having these people is because first of all it's a political problem now or you know in our current politics but in other things I think this is really important because a professor of mine said uh, the problem with being kids is they grow up and become adults and I wonder what these adults that are going through public school now I wonder what they're going to be like you know years down the road where they're basically given candy to behave properly. You know, and I'm not saying that folks in my generation weren't given metaphorical candy for sure. But, you know, this idea of like a Pavlovian bell system is a real problem, I think. Um, perhaps m moving forward.
um, again, um, thank you um, to my guest, who will go by Sarah. But also, if you want to talk to me anonymously, uh, you're more than welcome to do it. And uh, once again, uh, she refers to in this episode an episode that uh, recorded, but there was a basically a technical problem and the file was corrupted. Um, all right. So like I always say to everybody on the History Voyager podcast, I'm having a great day and I hope you are too. All right, everybody. Bye-bye.